Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hello there, it's Mike Williams, and uh, once again, thanks for coming to the podcast. We're going to call this one, You Can't Always Get. Of course, the finish is what you want. It's uh, Jobs Day, as you might know by the date of the podcast. Uh, It's Friday before the weekend, and of course, jobs, well, that's the big news. But uh, as the Stones have told us for years, you can't always get what you want. But if you try some time, you find you get what you need. The deal is the jobs numbers disappointed the experts. I always love that. Like the experts know more than the people actually doing the work. But uh, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, came in shy of estimates, which is uh, odd because there was a spread of about 50,000 jobs over the range of estimates. So someone in there got it right. What's the point? The point is, let's not get too bent out of shape. After all, it was just last week in your podcast that we witnessed unemployment claims numbers at lows that we had not seen for decades So one can safely assume a pause of some sort was not only in order, but just okay. I like a couple of lines from another song, which also describes the rampant, repetitive process of worst-casing nearly every data point we are given these days. It's from our friend Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. The song is called Iron Hand, and it goes like this. Same old fears and same old crimes... We haven't changed since ancient times. Look, it's easy to get off the path. While too many will pay attention to the one jobs number that has appeared stressed in the last many months, I thought we'd wander down the proper pathway and make sure we're checking our perspective along the way. I spoke in yesterday's podcast about GDP numbers in dollar terms. Too often we get stuck with these tiny little percentage points, and we think it's easy to get lost in the Wall Street and media shuffle. A review of the stats is in order, but let's get a different perspective. Let's think of it in dollar terms, and remember, these are in trillions. So I've kind of jotted down a few numbers from the Fed stats for purposes of reference. Feel free to jot these down on a sheet of paper if you'd like. 1999. Okay, 1999, the GDP in the United States of America was $12.32 trillion. In 2003, it was $13.53 trillion. In 2007, it was $14.99 trillion. I guess for government purposes, they could have called that $15 trillion, but you know how that goes. 2009, that was the ugly year, it was down to $14.54 trillion. And in 2015, the year just finished, we had $17.93 trillion. Now, I didn't go every year, but I did pick a few key years. There's a method to the madness, if you'll be patient with me here. 
The year 1999 was the year leading up to the top of the tech bubble. I want you to take your mind back then and remember that all was grand. I mean, you could not find a bad thing on the horizon. People were getting rich. Everybody loved stocks. And no one had any doubt about the future. After all, we hit a record GDP for the United States that year. And like I said, it was $12.32 trillion. Now, what I want you to note here, because you probably don't realize this, is that the GDP out number, output number for the year that marked the end of the tech bubble bear market, that's 2003, was oddly enough higher than 1999. So while the market was collapsing, while everybody was fearing the future, our economy was actually growing. Odd, right? I bet you didn't remember that. So, eight years later was 2007. Now, the reason I went eight years later is because we spent the next few years after 2003 recovering, and we were topping out in another bubble. This time it was housing. 2007, the year ended with GDP of that $14.99 trillion in output. Yes, another record year. Note the output number in 2009, the year that marked the end of the worst downturn in our lifetimes, was just a tad bit lower. It didn't collapse but it did go down about $400 billion to $14.54 trillion. So we went from 99 to 2007. That was an eight-year span, right? We went from $12.32 trillion to $14.99 trillion, about $2.6 trillion more, inclusive of the collapse of the tech bubble. So let's go the same eight years later. Eight years from 2007 was the end of last year, 2015. And we hit, yes, another record at $17.93 trillion. By the way, that is $3 trillion more than we were at the lows and nearly six trillion more than before both of the bear markets. So we're going to crest 18 trillion this year. 18 trillion dollars. Remember now, 1999 was 12.3 trillion dollars. Nobody was scared of the future then. Nobody was terrified. Nobody looked at every single data point and thought, oh my God, that's horrible. It was nearly exactly opposite. Yet here we are today. In all this output, we cannot seem to find one positive event. There is rarely something spoken which provides a, even a light at the end of the tunnel. We focus on one black swan event after another, only going to the next black swan when the first one turns out to be a dud. I ask ourselves, 
are we sure we're not getting lost in all this fuzzy math and all those squiggly red lines on the charts that are thrown in front of us on pictures and websites and TV channels? Are we sure? Think about it. Our economy is nearly 50% larger than it was at the top of the tech bubble. It has added $4 trillion in output since the dreaded lows in 2009. We have $8 trillion sitting in bank accounts because the mass audience is terrified about the future and they have little confidence in positive outcomes. Think about all that for a second. So before you pause and push the panic button, let's instead grab your bottle of Tums and let's dig a little bit deeper. Because we noted in the last podcast that the April ISM services report came out positive. Well, it's a little bit better than that. I want to point out a few things to you. Media continues to tell us horrible things. Yet, if you look at the chart of the ISM services business sector activity index, and you see this little squiggly line that goes from 1997 up to right this moment in time, if you draw a line from where we are straight across about back across the chart to 1997, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find that the reading in 1997 was nearly exactly where we are right this minute. And furthermore, we are on the upper 80 percentile of all readings since 1997. So there haven't been many times that have been better. We remain in expansion territory, but more important, the service sector represents 70% of U.S. payrolls. So if we are well into growth territory for 70% of U.S. payrolls, it tells us that activity is picking up. Now, I know everybody is told to worry about industrial output and manufacturing production. Both of those sectors we can be somewhat comforted by the fact that, yes, the output has been muted. In fact, manufacturing production is flat for the last 18 months, just like the market. Okay? But look, we know that the energy-related sectors have had massive cutbacks in their equipment demand. So we haven't manufactured hundreds of millions of dollars worth of stuff that we would have had energy not had its setbacks. But here's the key. All things being equal, if I took out something, then the lines should have gone down a lot. They've been flat, which means the other sectors of the economy are growing. A better view is required here. Even with a real shellacking to an important sector of our economy, we have remained flat. Hence, we can safely assume that the rest of the sectors have improved to take up for what would have otherwise been a shortfall. One last note. You have to do this in your mind, but if one were to draw a line across the chart from our current readings of U.S. manufacturing production, here's what you would find all the way back to the beginning of 1997. Here's the kicker. Make sure you understand this next sentence. There have only been two years where we were higher in manufacturing output. 
2007 and 2008. Now, what was causing that burst of energy? What turned out to be a housing bubble? If you were to erase for a moment 2007 and 2008, we are just a hair away from record highs and have been fluttering around that level for the past 18 months. While a very industrial part of our economy, the energy sector, has taken a big hit. Net-net, we're much better off than we fear. Look, I'm going to close with the same, same item I closed the last podcast with. Change stinks. It's always disquieting. But it is in the wind. And it's been there since the beginning of time. This long pause is a lunch stop on the path. Under all the noise, many industries are being roiled back and forth by new perspectives of a new generation of management. It is frustrating, it's stressful, but it's also more likely to be the seeds of the next layer of what the surprise will be, and that is growth, not the end of the world. Again, think demographics, not economics. Let's be patient and have discipline to take advantage of the weakness in the near term if we get it during the summer. Until we see you again on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.